You are listening to the CMC Podcast. Join us each week for messages designed to equip, inspire, and motivate. And now for today's message from Pastor Tim Brooks. I want to welcome all of those who are joining us on live stream and on social media. We're thrilled to have you. By now on uh, midweek service, your Bible ought to just fall open to Galatians. We are here in our lesson number 11 in our verse-by-verse study of Galatians. And in this lesson, we want to look at the first half of chapter 6. So you can turn there, Galatians chapter 6. We want to look at the first half of that chapter. We begin to look at one another, each other. These are key phrases in Christianity. And, And I want to make sure that our church understands it's not you and Jesus. It's not you and Jesus got your own thing going. Each other, one another, other people are the focus and the emphasis of Christianity. It's not just all about you. There is a bond. There is a connection, and and you've noticed this, with other believers. There's a connection with God's kids with one another. There's a family bond that begins to take place with other, other Christians. And in fact, there are relationships in church that, that get much closer than even relationships that you are blood kin to. That there are men right here in this church that I would call in a time of a personal emergency. There are men right here in this church that I would call before I would call people that I'm blood relatives with because we're, there's a bond with fellow believers, folks that are far connected in the faith. There's a spiritual family that, that is stronger than a physical connection. Love one another appears 12 times in the New Testament. Over and over, we read, pray for one another, edify one another, prefer one another, use hospitality toward one another. In this section in Galatians that we want to look at, Paul adds to pray for one another, edify, prefer, use hospitality. Paul adds to that and he tells us to share in each other's burdens. Some translations will say bear one another's burdens. The the Spirit-led Christian. Now, I'm not talking about the flesh-led Christian. I'm talking about the spirit-led Christian thinks of other people. And, and we're day, in a day and time that that's just a foreign concept to. The spirit-led believer, not the flesh-led, but the spirit-led believer thinks about other people. How would this affect them? What would they think? What would they... See, you're, you, you're others... Minded, And in this section that I want to look at, we want to see two different ministries that we have for others. Verse 1 through 5 of chapter 6, it's going to talk about sharing the burdens of other people. And then verse 6 through 10, it talks about sharing the blessings with other people. In every lesson in Galatians... We have been talking over and over and over about we referring to as the legalist. The legalist 
versus the spirit-led believer. The one that's being led by what we call the letter of the law. Don't do this and don't do that and don't do this and don't do that. Versus the one that's being led by the spirit. See, the Pharisees were under the religious law, and they beat people over the head with their Bible. Don't do this, and don't do that, and don't do this, and don't do that. See, and, and you, you, you find, and, well, and you're, you've been around this, you find God, the way you find God is don't do this, and don't do that, and don't do that. And your relationship with God is centered around all the things that you don't do. And, and still today, in, in churches, we are still wanting too often to beat people over the head with the Bible. We've said in every lesson, absolutely there are things that we don't do. Absolutely there are things that God says for us not to do. But when you meet Jesus, you're no longer controlled by don't do this and don't do that. You're controlled by the Jesus in you. I don't want to do those things anymore. So I don't have somebody telling me, no, don't you lie, don't you cheat, don't you do drugs, don't you? I don't want to. See, I don't, I don't want to do that. When Jesus comes in and you become a new creature in Christ, you don't have to be told, don't do this, don't do that. You don't want to. See, you have a new nature on the inside of you. So it's no longer your parent telling you, don't do this. It's no longer a grandparent saying, don't do this. It's no longer the pastor preaching, don't do this every Sunday. I've met Jesus, and I don't want to do those things anymore. I'm a new creature. I, I don't have that appetite. I'm being led by the Spirit, not my lust, sinful flesh. And here's what we want to see. The one beating you down with don't do this and don't do that and don't do this is really not interested in sharing your burdens. We've, we've talked about this before, but in the past, we have taken our... Christian Ministries Academy ball teams to other Christian schools and other places. And, and, and I remember distinctly uh, taking, we drove two and a half hours to a ball game. And they met us at the door of the church gym and told the moms of the players, they'd have to sit in the car. You're not coming in this gym because you got pants on. You're not going to come in here with pants on. Uh, we've been in the in, in church gyms where they had a chair sitting in the foyer and a lady out there with a pair of scissors. And no boy's going to come in here. You sit down and we'll cut the hair where it doesn't touch your collar. But you're not coming in this gym with hair that touches your collar. See, the, here's the problem. They weren't concerned with the kid on the team that parents were getting a divorce and that little boy was hurting they weren't concerned with putting their arm around and said, son, let me just tell you, God sees you, God loves you, God's going to help you through this. Son, God is going to be your strength. God is here for you. So we're not concerned about that. We're concerned about, don't you do this, don't you. See, if your hair touches your collar, you're going to... We're not concerned with, what if that mom just lost her job this morning? But see, coming in this church because she's wearing pants. But what about that mom that you told you can't come in this church, you're wearing pants? Well, what about a loved one that she's got that's in the ICU unit fighting for their life right now? See, so religious 
that we are not sharing one another's burdens, that we're not caring about what other people are going through. And as a Christian, we share in others' burdens. You're hurting right now? I want to put my arm around you. I'm here for you. I want you to know you're loved. What can I do to help you? I don't want you to think you're all by yourself. You're in a bad situation right now. You're hurting. I want you to know I'm here for you. See, when we come into church, do you just come in and sit down, hear the sermon and get up and leave? Or do you come a few minutes early and sit in the coffee shop and visit with somebody? You know, do you, do you on your way out, do you notice there's somebody going through a difficult time and just, hey, let me just tell you, God's got this. Whatever you're going through, whatever you're dealing with, I want to tell you, God's got this. See, we got to bear, it's what we talked about, bear one another's burdens. Share a burden is just a whole lot more important than saying don't do this and don't do that and don't do this and don't go there. We're, we're going to have to get this. Acts chapter 15, verse 10, Paul asks these legalists, why are you burdening these Gentile believers with laws that you can't even keep yourself? Matthew 23, 4, Jesus told the Pharisees, you're crushing people with these religious demands. Now, here's what I want you to know. The, the legalist is always harder on others than on themselves. Let's get going in this. Chapter 6. Dear brothers and sisters, if another believer is overcome by some sin, you who are godly should gently and humbly put that person back onto the right path and be careful not to fall into the same temptation yourself. Share each other's burdens and in this way, obey the law of Christ. If you think you are too important to help someone, you're only fooling yourself. You're not that important. Pay careful attention to your own work, for then you will get the satisfaction of a job well done, and you won't need to compare yourself to anyone. Verse 5, for we are each responsible for our own conduct. The, the legalist is always harder on other people than they are on themselves. You know, and Jesus addressed this. Look, why don't you tend to the log in your own eye and not be so worried about the speck in somebody else's? See, the spirit-led life demands more of yourself than you demand of other people. Now, I, I can't go around all day telling everybody, don't you do that, don't you smoke, don't you drink, don't you go, don't you do this. I can't control my own attitude. I can't go around pointing my finger and telling you don't do this and don't do that when I'm mad right now. Whenever I got anger issues, whenever I, you got jealous issues, are you hearing this? See, why are we going around here telling everybody else what they ought to do instead of working on your own attitude? I got a full-time job with my own self to be shaking my finger and telling you how bad you are. And, and it's... It, it, it's just what we do. I tell you, these kids with purple hair these days, I tell you, looks like they've been bobbing for apples in a tackle box. It's got all this stuff hanging all over there. I don't know. I tell you, got tattoos all up their neck and all of the If I tell you, I can't believe. Are you concerned about your anger? Are you concerned about your mouth? Are you concerned about your gossip? Are you, see, but we're going to run all, I can't believe kids today. Okay, well, what about you? See, what about you? And that's, that's what, that's what Paul is addressing. The church is really big on going around. I can't believe kids just say, well, hold on. How are you doing with your own self? How are you doing with your own jealousy? How are you doing with your own gossip? How are you doing with your own mouth? Here we are. Here we are. Verse 1. 
Paul presents a, a hypothetical case of a believer who is suddenly tripped up and falls into sin. The word here, you, the, it, it was overcome by sin or overtaken or caught up. It, it carries the idea that it kind of surprised yourself. I can't believe I did that. It's not so much a deliberate act that you planned to go out here and sin. You blew it. And you can't believe that you acted like that, that you did that, that you said that. You just got caught up in the moment and, and you're in sin. Now, nothing, and, and we're talking about this, nothing reveals spiritual legalism better than the way people treat one who has sinned. And we see it. We see it. Somebody messed up, and boy, we're going to kick them out of the church. We're going to blackball them. We're going to run them down. I mean, the whole church is going to gossip about them. Can you believe what they did? Can you believe what they did? And, and it's, it, the story is played out in John chapter 8. They caught this woman in adultery. They're going to drag her out. And what were they going to do? Let's all stone her. So I can't believe they did. Let's drag this woman out and let's stone her because she, boy, she got in adultery. We'll never forgive her. We'll never let this act be over. We'll never let this go. This person caught in adultery. Let's drag her out and stone her. Jesus, well, probably a pretty good idea. She committed adultery. I'll tell you what let's do. Let's just stone her. But why don't the one that's perfect here go ahead and throw the first stone? See, what well, that's the attitude that when you're gossiping about somebody, when you're running somebody down, when you're dragging somebody that messed up, when you're dragging them in the mud, so you're perfect? So, oh, so you've never done anything wrong in your whole life that you need to be forgiven of? See, this is what... Jesus is teaching us is the concept of a spirit-led life above a law-legal-led life. You did this, we're going to make you pay. You did this, we're going to make you pay. What about loving people? What about loving people, caring for people, bearing one another's burdens? Man, you messed up. What can I do to help you? Now look in verse 1. This is very interesting, and we got to get this. We got to get this. What you did is not okay. What you did, we're not going to keep you on going on it. We're not going to accept your sin as okay, but gently and humbly help that person get back on the right track. Now, we read Jesus, oh, Jesus loves everybody. Don't be with all this legalism. Don't do this and don't do that. Okay, so then we just accept what they do. Okay, so now we say it's okay for you to live in sin. No, Jesus never leaves you there. When he forgives us, what does he say? Now you go and don't sin again. See, we're going to forgive you. We're going to help you get over this. We're going to mend. We're going to see healing and restoration come. And gently, look at these words, and humbly... We're going to get you back on the right track because you are on the wrong track. And, and, and we just are having trouble with this in the church today. We're going to beat the sinner over the head with the Bible and tell them how horrible they are and how awful they are and how they have sinned. Or 
We're going to say, it's okay, Jesus loves everybody and we accept your sin. We just can't get a hold of, we're not going to condemn you, but we're not going to let you keep on living in sin. Now let's get you back on the right track. What you did is not okay. Look in verse 1. Be careful that you don't fall into sin yourself. I like 1 Corinthians 10, 12, and I, 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 I think about that scripture every day. If you think you stand, take heed lest you fall. Don't no. I'm glad I'm not a sinner like them. I'm glad I'm not a sinner like them. Boy, I'm glad. Well, now, you better hold on. You better hold on. All right, <clears throat> verse 2 through 4, look at this. Here's, here's what people too often do. We make, and when we all have fallen in this category, we make ourselves look important by making a brother or sister look worse. And, and that's what we do. You, See, we'll avoid talking about my sin if I can talk about yours. Did you hear what so-and-so did? Did you hear what so-and-so did? I can't believe they did this. I can't believe they went out and done that. I can't believe. The more you can run somebody else down for their sin, the less time you have to deal with your own sin. You're not all that important yourself. You're not all that important yourself. Verse 4, pay careful attention to your own work and stop comparing yourself with others. Well, at least I didn't do this. Well, at least I didn't do what she did. Well, at least I didn't do what they did. Where'd we come up with at least you didn't do so that makes you perfect? See, at least I didn't do. We, we can't continue to run people down because of their sin, but we can't leave them in their sin. We've got to humbly and gently Let's get them back on the right track. Now, let's get these first five verses clear because the church is having a hard time. We're in this ditch or we're in that ditch. All right, my car breaks down. The Christian brother shares in my burden. My car breaks down, so one of my Christian brothers is going to drive my kids to school, going to come by and pick me up to work. My car breaks down. Somebody is going to share that burden with me and help me out. That's what it's called, share. See, the burden is I got a problem, I need a ride. The Christian is going to share in that burden. And I, I just, I've always loved the fact that there's many people in here I could call on. I can tell you it, without even thinking about it. Timmy Gray's sitting all the way in the back. I'm all the way in the front. If my truck broke down, I called him and I said, Timmy, I'm in a crisis here. I got to have a ride tomorrow. Timmy, without a doubt, would say, I got two trucks. I'll bring you one of them. You take my truck and you use it. I mean, that, see, that's, that's life in the church. I'll, I'll bring my truck to you in the morning. I got two. You take mine and you can use it. Okay, that's sharing one another's burden. Here's what we can't get. Verse 5, verse 5, okay, I'm going to give you a truck to drive tomorrow, but by Friday, have yours fixed. See, this is what we can't get. See, now we've just taken people to raise. Hey, you lost your job. I can tell you right now, there's a countless people in this church that have groceries at your house in the morning. But now there's work wanted signs all over town 
you have you a job by noon tomorrow so that you can buy your own groceries. Verse 5. Verse 1, share each other's burdens. Verse 5, you're responsible for your own stuff. You're responsible for your own conduct. Are you, are you getting this? And, and the Bible marries this, and we can't. We're going to just take people, and we just pay now three or four generations to do nothing. Oh, no. We're not sharing your burden. I don't have a job. We'll get you one. Get you a job. Now, you lose your job. I can tell you right now, I'll have groceries there in the morning for you and your family. You got a truck broke down, I'll have you a ride there tomorrow. I'll get you a ride. But then in verse 5, he follows that up with, come on, you're responsible for your own conduct. Is this? And I don't know how we can have verse 1 and verse 5 so close together and we can't get this. We're, we're just going to let somebody support me from now on because that's what Jesus would do. Well, you're, you're missing what he's teaching here. Okay, let's move on to the next part of this. Verse 6. Those who are taught the word of God should provide for their teachers, sharing all good things with them. Don't be misled. You cannot mock the justice of God. You will always harvest what you plant. Those who live only to satisfy their own sinful nature will harvest decay and death from the sinful nature. But those who live to please the Spirit will harvest everlasting life from the Spirit. So let's not get tired of doing what is good. At just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessings if we don't give up. Therefore, whenever we have the opportunity, we should do good to everyone, especially those in the family of faith. All right. Let's, let's see what the Bible is saying. I want to make sure that we've got a biblical world view here. When I need my house painted, I call a painter and I get me a quote. When I need something repaired, I call a carpenter and what would it cost me to get this done? When, when you need new tires, I'll call the tire shop. What it cost me to put tires on this car? It's, it's amazing how little a pastor is asked what would you charge to marry me? What would you charge to bury my mother? What would you charge to bring me to come and get some counsel from you? What would you charge to go to the hospital and pray for somebody? See, Luke 10, verse 7, Jesus sends out the disciples to preach, and he tells them, you accept the blessing because the one who works deserves to be paid. Now, <clears throat> it never ceases to amaze me how on talk shows or any type of a platform like that, we bring a preacher in and the main issue is what size of his house, how, what kind of car he drives. You see the preacher get a new car and I mean here goes the gossip. I'll never forget it was in the mid-80s. There was a car that came out early 70s. It was a white Cadillac, it was a four-door, it had a sloped back on it and had the, the spare tire. Some of y'all remember that? Act like you don't, because this was a long time ago. That was the best looking car on the road. Well, it's the mid-80s, I found one of those cars. I found one. Now, it had 150, 200,000 miles on it. A poster was pretty tore up about it. But the outside still looked good. And I could buy that car for about $3,500. And it was a, it was a good looking car. So I, I took my brother-in-law, who was in the ministry with me at that time, said, here, I want you to go test drive this car with me. So I jumped in the front seat, he jumped in the back seat. 
And then I pull out and drive his car, and I'm looking in the rearview mirror, and I can't see. I said, what are you doing? He said, I'm laying in the floorboard back here. You're laying in the floorboard? Yeah, I am. Because if anybody in the church sees you driving this Cadillac, your ministry is over, and I'm not going down with you. He shamed me. I took the car back because you know what? He's right. You let a pastor drive a Cadillac, and boy, I'm telling you, whoo, it don't matter if it's got 200,000 miles on it. Dogs chewed up the seats in it. But here's, okay, now let me go on with this. But a womanizing, drug-dealing athlete that's a horrible role model for our children can make nine million a year or 21 million a year and we're just all beside him. Do you hear about that contract? Do you hear about that contract? He said, and he can have 10 Rolls Royces in his carport. But you let a preacher drive a car that runs and everybody in the church is skeptical. Stealing money out of the offering. Uh, let me just say, this is not a shameless plug for you to give me some money. <laughs> let me just tell you right quick. This church had never bought any truck that I've ever driven. Just know whatever jewelry I'm wearing, this church never bought me any jewelry. It's never bought me a pair of boots. And it has never bought me a house that I'm living in. But here's what I want you to know. It would be okay if it did. It would be very okay if it did. And I ought to be driving the nicest pickup out on the road. So I want you to have a right mentality about the ministry. Pastors, Christian school teachers that are teaching the word, changing lives, why don't Christian school teachers make 21 million a year? And this thug athlete that's a horrible role model, let him make 21,000 a year. Just, let's just make sure we're thinking right here in our church. Let, let's make sure we're, don't you ever roll your eyes at a preacher who's driving a nice car that runs. Well, I wonder how much money he stole out of the church. He didn't have to steal any. The church ought to bought him one. That's the way this is. Now, I want you to watch this. Verse 6. Paul's saying, look, sharing the blessings with those who preach the word. But that's not what he's talking about. Look in verse 7 and 8. He's not saying that so that pastors and preachers and missionaries could get material needs. He is saying that so that the giver might get greater blessings. Now, here's where we miss this, and oftentimes we don't communicate this. I want to make sure that I continue to communicate this correctly. If you put a dime in the offering baskets here, it will not affect me and my wife and the size of house we live in. Your giving will affect the size of house you live in. It won't affect the size of house I live in. But here's what I want you to know. When Terry and I are here, or when I'm speaking in a church out of town, I write my check to this church, whether I'm here or whether I'm not, and my check will be in this church basket because my giving into this ministry affects the house I live in. Your giving affects the house you live in. My giving affects the life that I live, and we've got to understand that. But we got such a wrong concept about giving. 
The preachers start teaching on giving. Well, I guess he needs new clothes. Why is he teaching on giving? The reason we teach on giving is I want you to be blessed. Because it's a principle, whatever you sow, that's what you're going to reap. And you don't, it, it, that only works all the time. If you plant corn, you don't get tomatoes. If you plant corn, you get corn. If you plant apples, you get apples. If you plant joy, you get joy. If you plant depression and bitterness, then you're going to get depression and bitterness. See, what you sow is what you're going to reap. And if you sow money, you reap money, and you don't reap corn unless you plant corn. And this is the principle here. Verse 9, don't get tired of sowing good seed. At just the right time, some of your translations say, in due season, and that drives me. I've got a horrible fear of quitting the day before due season. I mean, I think about that all the time. I just can't quit on anything because the right time may be tomorrow. My due season is right around the corner, and so you've got to keep that in your mind. Verse 10, therefore, whenever we have the opportunity, we should do good to everyone, especially those of the family of faith. Sharing the blessings you've been given is more than just teaching the word that you know or giving of material things. Sharing blessings is about doing good to everybody. Y'all stand. Lord, we continue to wash our mind with your word. Lord, that we think according to your word. That we respond in life according to your word. And that we think your thoughts. Tonight, Lord, we honor you. We say, Holy Spirit, direct our thinking that we line our lives up with your word. In Jesus' name, amen. You have been listening to the CMC Podcast. For more information about CMC, our different conferences, Christian school, college internship, resources, and more, go to cmchurch.com.